You know, I'm gonna give you a history lesson. We got some dumbass motherfuckers floating around this country. <laughs> Stop laughing! And when I do, start fucking. Also, y'all did some nasty-ass jokes on my ass, too. Funny jokes and unfunny jokes come out of the same birth. You fucking guys are unbelievable. Why are you laughing? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Why Are You Laughing? Today, I'm pleased to introduce you to... The Rise and Fall of Dane Cook, live from the Vaulted Podcast Studios, another micless week, and uh, we've been recording here. I found the issue, gentlemen. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we've been grooving here, but, but we'll see how this goes. Um, uh, Matt, obviously, from Vaulted Podcast, and Craig with me, of course. Hello. And uh, this is one Craig has been jonesing for, for a while. Dane's getting his due. And every, you know what, I'll say... Every time I put out on Twitter, uh, Blind Mike Proj on Twitter, I'll throw out, like, who are some uh, uh, storylines or people, comedians, whatever, that you like us to do on Why Are You Laughing? And uh, there will always be, like, one or two people that say Dane Cook, and I think they're kidding. Like, I think they're being sarcastic or ironic, whatever. But he has a fascinating career. <laughs> like, it is... Crazy, the stuff that happened to Dane Cook, the heights that he went to, and then uh, his journey back from the bottom <laughs> is pretty wild. So we want to get into that, all of that today. Um, you know, we'll also talk about whether or not he's uh, he deserved a lot of the success he had or or what. But uh, I want to remind you guys, we have uh, Why You Laughing merch up in the store now. So go to our link tree and social media and all that. We've got that there. Uh, hoodies, t-shirts, zip-ups, mugs, all that. The zip-up hoodie is awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I got one for myself in the mail. Hopefully I'll be wearing it in the next uh, batch of episodes. But, um, uh, uh, and uh, make sure you check out patreon.com slash blindmike. You get episodes a week early there. So if uh, you've been liking Why Are You Laughing, I appreciate the support. And if you want to support the show more, go to patreon.com slash blindmike. Uh, all right, let's get into it. So Dane Cook started his uh, stand-up career in Boston uh, he started around 1990, and I found that interesting just because of the trajectory even that took. Like, so in 1990, Dane Cook starts stand-up. By 1992, he's playing a gig at the Garden. And it's not it's not the way he played a gig at the Garden years later, but uh, he played at the Boston Garden. He was in an improv troupe called Alan the Monkeys with a few other comedians, Bobby Kelly being one of them. Um, and, uh, they performed, it was like some rock festival that, uh, WBCN put on and they were supposed to like open the show, like this improv troupe that Dane Cook was in. And, um, they, <laughs> I guess they ended up being put at the end between the spin doctors and, uh, I forget who the other band was, but some other like at the, like, you know, early nineties headlining act. So uh, people were not pleased. So this is 1992 at the Garden. Dane Cook talks about the worst he ever bombed in comedy. For about 20 seconds, we felt like we had the room completely on our side. And then almost instantly, everybody in the place starts looking back and forth at each other. We could see it happening. We could see people like go like this. You never want to see the lean and then the tilt because that's like, hey, do you know what? And then a swear is probably happening when it goes low. Hey, do you know what? And as if they had rehearsed it, this crowd of people, about 15,000 people threw their shoes at us. Like so many pairs of shoes and a lot of sandals, because it was fish, came out of the fish, dark was and was 
I mean, I'm talking about everywhere. Like, uh, like it had rained, like it was something biblical with, with shoes. So we're standing there and we're completely freaked out. Um, and one of the guys in the group grabbed the microphone and he kind of did this like impassioned speech of why they should stop doing that and listen to us. And I remember being behind him, his name's Bobby, Robert Kelly, funny comedian, good buddy of mine. I go, Robert, we gotta go, we gotta go. Dude, let's just go, let's just go, let's just get out of here. And he was like, no, no, we came here, we came here to put on a show for you people, and then- Dude, the we worked really hard at this. Was lighters. I'm gonna kill it, dude. Uh, thousands of lighters started coming through the dark. And I, I describe it like being on stage, it was like the opening of Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Those were the days, man, when, <laughs> when fucking people were really fan. They didn't want any bullshit at their shows, and they'll throw their fucking shoes at you. Yeah. So I just thought that was a funny story. But that's where Dane Cook was at his career then, where he's kind of like doing improv. That's two years in, which even to be playing any sort of, even though it's a ridiculous positioning, uh, to be playing any sort of gig at the Garden two years in is pretty wild. And that's the type of trajectory... Dane Cook's career had. So where do we go from there, Matt? Um, to uh, his big break. Yeah. So that was what ninety. Not that long after. It was ninety six. So three years later. Yeah. So three years later, Dane Cook is uh, gets on. Was it Premium Blend? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So Dane Cook gets Premium Blend, and if you don't remember what Premium Blend was, oh. um, was that he he moved to LA in ninety six. Premium Blend was ninety eight. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So yeah. Uh, so he goes to New York. After this, he goes to New York for two years. That's what it was. He goes to New York for two years, uh, works on his act, then moves to LA. Then very quickly after he moved to LA. So 96, he moves to LA. 98, he gets Premium Blend. There yeah. we go. Um, if you don't remember what pre Premium Blend was, it was like this half hour Comedy Central show. And they would have three comics do like, I mean, eight minute sets, probably yeah. less than that. Um, and it's, so it seems like now... It's like, well, who would give a fuck about that? But you forget, this is before we were all on the internet and everything. Like, that played on Comedy Central all the all time. All the yep. time. All the time. I remember it. Me too. I remember. Is the, do you remember, is the premium blend, or is this the uh, half hour that he had the tank top on? That was uh, Presents. Comedy Central Presents. Yeah. So, so two years later, off the success of his premium blend, he gets this Comedy Central half hour. And these Comedy Central half hours were huge at the time and i remember the first batch and i saw these because i would just put on comedy central and like you know all night and these would be replaying all night it was uh nick swardson jim gaffigan yep. uh, mitch hedberg and dane cook those are the ones and it did a lot for all those guys careers like nick swardson was the he was like 20 at the time yeah, yeah so it did a lot for his career that's why i know who jim gaffigan is is those comedy actually all four of those guys? That's why I know who they are. Is because Comedy Central played those non-stop. <laughs> like it was. I'm trying to think of what else was even on Comedy Central in the '90s. Uh, Not much. South Park. It was South Park and Comedy Central Presents, pretty much. Uh, Gaffigan's Comedy Central Presents is the reason I got into stand up. Because I was, wow, I was a... no, because I was really young when I watched it. <laughs> That's a feather in his cap. No, I was really young when I watched it, and his jokes, anyone could understand and find funny. Right. So I, I yeah. felt what the crowd was, not just laughing because I heard it. Yeah, Gaffigan and Regan were the two guys like that for me, where I was like, oh, stand-up is really funny. Right. Because like, I understood them, and right. it, was, it was clean, it was very, like, so kids could watch it. It was very funny. Dane Cook had a similar effect, I think, but for slightly older kids. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like Dane Cook hit with, you know, 16-year-olds, I'd say 15 to like Mm 21-year-olds was Dane Cook's prime audience. And he really capitalized on that because Dane Cook was, uh, you know, in that first batch of Comedy Central Presents, he was also the first comedian with a promotional website and a MySpace page. And that paid off dividends for him. And it's weird to look back at that because now the guys that do that, like Andrew Schultz changed the game for a lot of comedians. He taught a lot of comedians how they should be using YouTube, how they should be working the algorithm for Instagram and putting their clips online and just putting their special up on YouTube, all that type of shit. And Schultz gets a lot of credit for that. And he's considered a legitimate comedian. Like I think Andrew Schultz is funny and he has respect in the business and everything. Dane Cook had had the complete opposite effect. Right. Everyone in comedy at that time was like, oh, Dane Cook's not a real comedian. He's a marketer. Yeah. He's famous because he had this successful website. Uh, when in reality, what happened was Dane Cook cultivated a fan base on that Comedy Central Presents and Premium Blend and all that shit. Um, you know, harvested those people, drove them to his MySpace. They all found him on MySpace and he was doing some like video gaming chat room or something like shit like that where he was interacting with his fans. And uh, I remember Dane Cook saying the big thing is uh, he responded to every email he got. Right. And, like, personal. Like, really made it. Like, he physically responded to every email, tried to make it a personal thing where they would kind of, like, appreciate that they got some sort of response. You know what I mean? It wouldn't just be, like, thanks, period. Right. Right. (laughs) Like, he gave a real response to everyone. And, um, you know, that kind of – this is before podcasting and everything – that's how his fans felt like they had a relationship with him. Now you can do an hour podcast every week, and people are like, "Oh, I know that guy." Yeah. But before you know, before this, it wasn't like that. Where every comedian had a podcast. He did that for years too. For years, I, I remember him talking about it on your mom's house podcast. Yeah. He he talked about how he did it for like four years. Yeah. Every email, every Facebook response, uh, MySpace response. Everybody, everybody, especially Brett Kreischer, always gives him credit for changing the way comedians would promote. And he took a lot of shit for that. Everyone mm-hmm. called him a marketer. Said he's not actually funny. He basically stole these fans because he had a MySpace. When in reality, what he was doing is. Promoting himself because, I mean, who else is going to do it for you? Like, he took the initiative to do that, which a lot of comedians resented because I think a lot of comedians didn't have Dane Cook's work ethic at the time. Right. And you can you can say someone's not funny, but when they're selling out arenas and it's the loudest laughs you've ever heard, you got to be kind of like, that's where we get into a weird place with Dane Cook. Because like I said, I think a lot of like the people that suggest this episode are doing it ironically. Mm -hmm. Dane Cook has a real uh, reputation and a stink on him of like being for douchebags and being not funny. Right. And uh, I remember hearing Ron White on Rogan talk about Dane Cook. And he was like, and keep in mind, Ron White's a guy that toured with uh, Larry the Cable Guy and fucking Bill Engvall. <laughs> so, so let's oh, pump the brakes, Ron, on your standards for comedy. I think Ron White's a funny guy. But I think he, he's one of my favorites, actually, Ron White. But I find him very funny. But he was talking about Dane Cook, and he was like, he's like you know, I don't want to shit on Dane, but like, I uh, bought the CD. I saw his CD. I bought it. I put it in, I played it, I took it out, and I threw it away because I was like, I'm never going to listen to this again. Like, And no offense to Dane, but like, it wasn't comedy. It's not punchlines that he's doing. I don't know what it is, but it's not punchlines. And that was the take that a lot of comedians had of Dane forever. Um, so we'll get more into that in a bit. But uh, first, we're still on this rocket ship of his career. So in 98, he gets Premium Blend. 
in 2000, mm-hmm. he has um, uh, the Comedy Central Presents. Mm-hmm. That was why. That's the one with the tank top where he's rolling around on the fucking stage and everything. Doing like that predator or alien bit. Which yeah. is another, re- by the way, another reason he lost a lot of respect is people are like, oh, he's just getting laughs off of easy. Sh-. Like he's, you know, rolling around and gyrating. And he's a handsome guy with a tank. He's showing off his guns, you know. So a lot of people didn't like that about Dane either. But neither, uh, and neither did Dane. He's talked about that too. He said right. he watched that. He never dressed like that or did that crazy of right. pant- pantomiming again. Yeah, it's I mean, interesting. Would, I think we'll get. I think today we'll focus a lot on the perception of Dane Cook versus Dane Cook, the guy, because he does come off like that a lot. Like when you listen to Dane Cook, like we ca- we talked about Carlos Mencia in a previous episode, and um, the vibe on him is that he's phony. The vibe when you hear Dane Cook talk at first is also that he's phony, which is why I think he had a lot of those mm-hmm. attacks on him. I I believe that's who he is as a guy. I do too. Um, so after Comedy Central Presents, where do we go from there, Matt? Uh, three years later, in 2003, he drops his first album slash DVD. <laughs> yeah, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that went platinum? It yes. did. Yeah, so that album takes off, 2003. Harmful of Swallowed. And I think that that album is part of the reason that comedy came back to life. What do you mean? Because it was like... <laughs> this should be good. Well, no, because there was a comedy boom in the 80s, and yeah. it died down. And then, you know, it came back up for a little bit, and then died down again. And then this album comes out, and it goes mega popular. This was the first album I had. Right. Yeah, you know what? My instinct is to bash you for that. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my instinct for everything. Right. But... That's why I was like, wait a minute. There's, something, there's something to that where... You're right. I liked Dane Cook in high school. And I think a lot of the you're, that's not a, that's actually not a crazy comparison to say a lot of people that are into comedy now are because they found guys like Dane Cook that they could relate to when they were thirteen, you know, right? And they found that very funny, and that's why now net half of Netflix is fucking comedy specials, right? You know, because our generation likes comedy. That's not a crazy thing to say. Like Dane Cook, Jim Gaffigan, that's the group that got our generation into comedy, probably. Yeah, it was the the second boom. Yeah, he was he was also big, and again, while a lot of it was kids that would grow up to like comedy, a lot of it was also teenage girls that mm-hmm. you know think he's handsome and silly, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, or like douchebags that don't get comedy but think it's funny that he says the BK Lounge or whatever, right? You know, so that that was a uh, Rogan always has this story. Um, with uh, hearing jokes and someone repeating them. Yeah. Um, what's his face? The guy that yelled a lot. I was slipping my mind. Kinnison. 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 Yeah. He always has a story about the girl doing the impression of Kinnison. He's like, I, I need to listen to that. Right. I had a similar thing with Harmful of Swallowed. I would hear people like in school just quoting it and laughing. And I was like, yeah. that sounds pretty funny. Yeah. It was, you know what? This, the, uh, uh, it's a, it's even affected me what we're talking about today because <laughs> my instinct was to be like oh Craig's a douchebag you like Dane Cook mm-hmm. I liked Dane Cook That's what I'm <laughs> when I was a kid I forget, and history is, has jaded me <laughs> I'm I'm not ashamed to say <laughs> I like Dane Cook me. found him funny <laughs> you know what uh, this is our Spartacus moment <laughs> we're all standing up for Dane Cook <laughs> I like I, Dane Cook I liked Dane Cook <laughs> I also like Dane Chef <laughs> Lewis <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, we uh, so we get to 2003. His album goes platinum. Then 2000, and by the way, he also released it on DVD, which then was a big deal mm-hmm. because bef- prior to that, and I'm not saying that's the first one, uh, but he was. I mean, again, Dane Cook was pretty innovative. It might have been one of the first uh, to really do well. But 
um, before like Dane Cook's uh, album slash DVD, what comedians would do is yeah, it, this is how Chris Rock got famous. This is how either like you get famous from being on the Tonight Show, or you get famous from having a massive HBO special. Mm-hmm. That's how comedians got famous, or whatever, being in movies, being on SNL, whatever. But like the the mainstream ways were in the eighties, it was Carson, and in the nineties, it was HBO specials. Right, like that's how comedians got noticed. Dane Cook has an album and a DVD that goes platinum because he was able to cultivate this fan base, keep in touch with them on MySpace, and let them know, hey, I got an album out right now. And all these little fucking douchebags bought it, and me being one of them. Yeah. Same. I like um, to call them little, uh, you know, comedy supporters that are all normal. That's yeah, correct. Well, not all of them, though, <laughs> which is why he gets the <laughs> reputation. <laughs> um, but so we go to 2003, he has a platinum album. Uh, 2005, am I right about this, Matt? Yes. He has a double platinum album. Retaliation. Which is uh, the biggest comedy album ever at at that point, and I'm assuming ever because after that, we started kind of getting rid of albums, you know? Like, right. people had them, but now, after 2005, now we've all got, uh, you know, uh, iPods and shit where we illegally download our stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember. Naturally. I the, I listened to Brian Regan because I downloaded him on like LimeWire. Shut, like shut up, Pirate Bay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Napster, all our, <laughs> all our old friends. He he ta- on uh, your mom's house podcast. He talks about how it's. I think it still stands as the biggest of all yeah. time. The, yeah. the first, the only album to go double platinum. To go double platinum. Double yeah. platinum is legit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's crazy. also this is how big it is. It's the only album since the only other one to do it was uh, Steve Martin twenty seven years earlier where he was in the top five on the Billboard charts. And again, that's when the Billboard charts meant something. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at the Billboard charts, it's like the top 21 are all Drake songs. Well, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> because they it, get played on Spotify a lot. Well, that's what it is. The The Billboard charts are always at, what, what are the kids like? Right. And he's the first comic, really, that magnitude that was appealing to kids. Right, yeah. So Steve Martin did it. And uh, I didn't know this. I always said, uh, well, we'll get to it in a second. Let's stay, let's stay linear because I think it's fascinating how quickly his fucking career took off. Mm. So every every two years this guy gets something massive. Right. So he has a double platinum in two thousand three. I'm sorry, he has a platinum album in two thousand three, double platinum in two thousand five, and that's when he really starts getting famous. And that's also when he gets his HBO special. Yes. So right he got uh what was that? Vicious Circle? Vicious Circle. Vicious Circle, which is I believe that's the one I think I might have been late to Dane Cook. I think that's the one I got. Mm-hmm. I had that DVD. Oh, no, you know what? I had a CD first, actually. So yeah. maybe I did have the first one. Yeah. But um, Vicious Circle is the one that's uh, filmed in the round. Yep. And uh, it's at the Boston Garden. And he's told this story that that was... Oh, I'm sorry. I think the one at Madison Square Garden was improv He improv a special at a fucking arena. Yeah, it was at MS- yeah, MSG. That was the MSG yep. one. Uh, so we're in the round at uh, the Garden, which is a wild place for comedy. Mm-hmm. And... Again, this is where jealousy creeps in. I don't know if a lot of comedians could have done that. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Because even like a guy who's hilarious, like let's use Big J, is probably the best example. He sits on a stool well, and, a, and does crowd work. Yeah. So you put him in the round, half the audience is looking at his back the whole time. Right. You and, know? And Dan Cook pantomimes a lot of stuff. So He's moving around. Yeah. He's being silly. Like he does work for that type of setting. Right. And it's, you know... <laughs> Again, talk about Dane Cook's influence. So we talk about uh, we didn't do this in the last episode because I guess it didn't really apply. But um, the the coaching tree, like the influences that have come 
from Dane Cook. I mean, everyone who's been huge since Dane Cook. Kevin Hart. Mm-hmm. Like the way Kevin Hart's stage presence is clearly uh influenced by Dane Cook. Oh yeah. Um TJ Miller's whole persona, like TJ Miller accused Dane Cook of stealing from him once. TJ Miller kind of ripped off Dane Cook's entire persona. Oh yeah. You'll hate this comparison, but I mean Chris D'Elia is yes. Dane Cook. Yeah. <laughs> like Chris D'Elia, Way douchier version. Chris D'Elia, again, Dane Cook made me laugh. Maybe it was because I was 15. Nope. He's just he, funny. Chris D'Elia is an unfunny Dane Cook. Yes. <laughs> like I'll accept he that. appeals to the same audience. Girl, you know, college girls and fucking frat bros. I was gonna say, I think he actually, you know, focuses more feminine, not because of what he's going through. Well, but yes, I feel Chris like his Delina definitely targets towards the women. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the, his audience, the young is, ladies, yeah, more female on top of it. Yeah, it probably is because Chris, he's a handsome guy, and he talk, ooh, I do silly noises, and I mean, he's he's doing an imitation of Dane Cook, right? Because because the imitation of Dane Cook is like his cadence, yeah. Where he's getting crazy and talking like this, that's all Delia does with no jokes at all, right? <laughs> so, uh, and then you could say like Bert Kre- the way uh, Bert Kreischer's persona, probably influenced by Dane Cook. I think he said as much. Yeah, you know what I mean. You can, and maybe you don't like these comedians that I'm naming, but a lot of guys that are crazy popular right now. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of guys that are crazy popular right now are influenced by Dane Cook, and again. Andrew Schultz, same thing. Marketing yourself. Everyone that has a fucking Twitter or an Instagram, I, I hate to tell you, you were influenced by Dane Cook. Correct. <laughs> because he made that an essential tool for comedians. Yep. Where the only way you can promote yourself, because most of these guys, like I talk about, one of my favorite comedians is Joe List. Uh, I just saw him at the Providence Comedy Connection. He's got a new special coming out soon. Uh, I love Joe List. I think he's very underrated. But, I mean, Joe List has like a Netflix half hour. But other than that, he's a, you know, he's kind of a nerdy looking white guy. So those guys aren't getting Netflix and HBO specials and shit like that. So he has to produce his content himself and put it up on YouTube. Without Dane Cook, no one really knows to do that. I mean, I think we would have figured it out eventually. But he was far and away the first guy to do it. He went through all the the trials and all that. So everyone else basically hit the ground running with it. They, They look at him and go, holy shit, I know exactly what to do. This is the basically the trajectory of comedy from 2000 to 2021 is, isn't that guy a fucking douchebag that's promoting his MySpace everywhere? Now, how do I figure out this Facebook algorithm? <laughs> now, how do I figure out Instagram? Now, how do I figure out Twitter? Right. Like, so Dane Cook was MySpace. Everyone shit on him for the duration of that, and then everyone had him. Right. Exactly. Um, so then, uh, two th- yeah, so 2005, Vicious Circle comes out. That was massive. Mm-hmm. And then he also gets, uh, he goes on a college tour where he had, uh, again, Bobby Kelly from Boston, Gary Gullman from Boston, and uh, Jay Davis, I think, was the other guy. I'm not, as fr- I'm not familiar with him. Yeah. Um, but those were his openers. And uh, they toured around with Dane Cook to a bunch of different colleges. Uh, by the way, I don't think in 2021 you could title a college tour Torgasm. I feel like that would be. Yeah, I actually. <laughs> That's Crystalia's tour. Honestly, I, yeah. I own that. On, I own Torgasm on DVD. That's not surprising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I broke Tor- my knee, man. <laughs> it's the. It's the. It's a great watch. In college, I did a sports radio show. Yep. Three years, and 
on it we took we kind of riffed off of Torgasm and we did every week we had a scorgasm of the week for that's like, fun like, yeah <laughs> and more, but, but more that, but great was... influences of Dane Cook the yes. tree has so many branches we, <laughs> we don't have I mean this whole episode is Dane Cook's coaching tree basically right yeah right like this um so uh, uh, what was I saying? God he, damn it! Lost my train of thought. He uh, he also around the time of the documentary Torgasm, he hosted the Teen Choice Awards. Oh, I didn't say SNL. what that was, by the way. Oh. Torgasm, a nine episode documentary series on YouTube on uh, HBO. That's funny. what I meant to say. <laughs> it's kind of it, I mean, it's obviously hammed up for the cameras. They they do stuff during the day they probably wouldn't. Yeah, but you get it. It's cool scene. I like the behind the scenes shit. Scene. This is where Craig loses me. Where he's now describing the, folks. Do yourself a favor. Kick back. Watch on HBO Max. Torgasm. Please yeah, pause this podcast. Because you know what, the title "Torgasm" <laughs> is very self-explanatory. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, yeah. Also, 2005, uh, he hosts the Teen Choice Awards. Uh, he's on the MTV, uh, the VMAs on MTV. Like he is as mainstream as any uh, like hip hop artist or anyone else at that time. And he's really the first comedian to do that. I would say, other than Dice. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, by this point, Dice is the only guy to have achieved that type of success. Even Steve Martin, like, who had a top five comedy album on the Billboard charts, I don't believe he was as big of a hit with, like, the generation that Dane was. You know, like, kids. Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you're right. But, again, uh, kids couldn't, a lot of kids weren't allowed to watch Eddie Murphy. Or certainly not go to his shows or buy his DVD. You know what I mean? Like, Eddie Murphy was dirty. That's where that's where Dane and so was Dice. So that's where Dane hit an audience uh, that was completely different than those guys, right? And why he was kind of allowed to be so uh, mainstream, right? Um, so then, 2005, also the first time he hosted SNL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of two times he hosted SNL twice back to back years. Another big deal. Not a lot of comedians did that really. Like, like now you'll see like. Kevin Hart will do it. Chris Rock, Bill Burr, Mulaney. Like, there are a few guys. Chappelle. Chappelle, obviously. Um, I don't think there were a ton of stand-ups throughout history that have really hosted SNL. Like, Dice did it once. Steve Martin obviously did it a bunch. But I don't even really consider Steve Martin a comedian that way. Same as, like, Sandler going back. I don't think... I think of Sandler as an actor. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there haven't been a lot of pure stand-ups that aren't known for their acting career to... uh, uh, Toast SNL back-to-back years. So, again, he's enormous. Uh, and, by the way, the, mis- the list that I gave Matt is just his stand-up credits. I didn't include no. the litany of movies he was in uh, in this, like, you know, three, four, five-year run. Again, not great. I don't, they're not my favorite movies, but com- I would say much better than the shit that Kevin Hart's putting out right now. I thought two, two of them, uh, like, uh, um, Good Luck Chuck was okay. There's some laughs in there. Yeah, Alba saves that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought I thought the movie as a whole was just fun, but yeah, Employee uh, of the employee, Month with Dash employee, Shepard. Employee of the Month is legitimately a funny movie. And I then think. he had he had like a serious role in uh was it Mr. Brooks? Yeah, that's where he lost. Uh, me. Dan in Real Life with Steve Carell. Like he was getting he was starring in movies. He was having supporting roles in movies and like legitimate. I mean, you know, I don't know how good they were, but like movies that were taken seriously. Um. So, uh, Dane Cook is on a fucking rocket ship <laughs> yet uh at the center of this 
Uh, yeah, Matt, hold, reel me in here, Matt. Where are we in line? Because I want to get to the Louis stuff, but I don't well, know if that's where in, we are. In 2007, he became the second comedian ever to sell out Madison Square Garden. Yeah, Dice was the first. Yep. Uh, sold out twice. Yes. Yeah, so he sold it out twice. Dice is the only other guy to do that. Now it happens all the time. Again, thanks to who? <laughs> Dane Cook. Because Dane Cook kind of, I mean, really Dice, I guess. Mm-hmm. But no one followed in Dice's footsteps and you forget, Dice's demise probably scared a lot of people from being Dice in the oh, sense yeah. that he got canceled for kind of being yeah. that character. So no one really followed in Dice's footsteps. A lot of people followed in Dane Cook's footsteps. And that's why now, I mean, it seems like there's almost as many comic acts as there are music at MSG. Fucking mm-hmm. Aziz, Amy Schumer, Louis, when he was allowed to play there, Chappelle. They just right. had a comedy benefit. They're like a ton of comedians play Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden now. Mm-hmm. Before Dane, only one. Also right. in 2007, uh, it's the the Laugh Factory um, endurance, endurance record. record. <laughs> I just included this because I thought it was wild. So uh, back in the day, I guess at the Laugh Factory, Richard Pryor performed for over three hours, mm. which is pretty crazy. Dane Cook came into the Laugh Factory one day in uh, 2007 and broke that record with uh, you know three and a half hours, whatever it was. Five days later, Chappelle comes in. And again, I don't know if these guys were trying to break that record, or it's just a coincidence. I think so. Right? But um, five days later, Chappelle comes in, stands on stage for six and a half hours. That's insane. Six and a half hours, Chappelle stays on stage. So breaks Dane Cook's record. A year later, Dane Cook comes back to the Laugh Factory and does an eight-hour performance. (laughs) Which, that's like, you know Louis' joke about uh, traveling? where he says we should be appreciative of flight. He's like, if you go to Los Angeles, that flight, you were a different group of people by the time you got there. Like, you couldn't do that back in the day. Right. That's the Dane Cook performance. We are a different group of people from the beginning to the end. Like, people have filtered out and left from the time Dane Cook got on stage to the time he got off. Right, right. Now, so, obviously, Chappelle and Dane Cook are huge at this time. Yeah. But, like, do you just walk into the Laugh Factory and say, I'm, go- I'm, going-, I think I'm going for eight hours? For that long, it's got to be pre-planned. Well, that's a... Uh, that's the type of shit that would infuriate a lot of younger comedians. Sure. Where there are people in the back room, like, I'm supposed to go on. Is this motherfucker going <laughs> to... <laughs> what the fuck? Like, yeah. I, if it's eight hours, I don't know. You're right. That that probably has to be pre-planned. But they say that the comedy store back in the day, like, in its at its worst times, the reason a lot of people didn't go to the comedy store in the 90s is because you could have back-to-back-to-back. Dice, Eddie Griffin... Mencia, and there was another guy, I forget who else was in that group, but those three, four guys would go to the comedy store and do two-hour sets every night and just knock it off stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, they were taking work from a lot of con- – and people fucking hated it. Uh, so that – and like we talked about with Mencia, that probably adds to some of the hatred mm-hmm. for Dane Cook. Um, oh, but- definitely. they People – on Opie and Anthony or podcast or whatever would always talk about that specifically. Yeah, there's a yeah, there's actually I didn't include it, but there's a good fight between um I think Rogan is on there. I think it's Rogan I'm trying to think of the comics. On Opie and Anthony, Rogan, someone else and and uh Bill Burr against Jamie Masada, who runs the Laugh Factory, and they're trying to tell him that uh Dane Cook's been stealing jokes and Jamie Masada defends him. It's pretty interesting if you go find it on YouTube. Um, 
And uh, Burr wouldn't. I don't think Burr spoke. Burr wouldn't. He's like, I, I don't know, dude. Whatever. Because that's the other thing I think that separates Dane from a guy like Mencia. He had friends. Is He had friends. Like, while a lot of comics hated him and threw Dane under the bus, he was respected by, like, Patrice liked Dane, mm-hmm. Burr liked Dane. Mm-hmm. I think Rogan, for the most part, liked Dane. Uh, Bobby Kelly and that group of guys. Whether they respected his comedy, I have no idea. But they liked him and would defend him in those moments. Uh, where Mencia didn't have that backing, really. No. You know, like, even Bobby Lee... Who opened for Mencia would be like, yeah, he fucking steals, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, so I, but percolating uh, under the surface while all this is happening in two thousand five, six, seven, is uh, allegations that Dane Cook was a thief that he stole from a bunch of people, and there are a few examples online, um, but the famous one was uh, Louis C.K. And do you have, Matt, the actual jokes that were stolen? Yes, I have individual jokes. So there's three jokes. Okay, so there's three jokes. So let's hear those. They're on, uh, I think this was the only record I could find of them was them being played on ONA. So you might hear like laughter or commentary in the background, but just uh, ignore it. One time I saw a guy in a bicycle, and he was about to get hit with a car door. It was horrible. And he wasn't looking, and the lady opening the door wasn't looking. It was just like just for me. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, ah! Like, I, I wanted to yell something, but what do you yell? And I'm trying to, like, if time slows down, I'm trying to choose the thing to yell that will have all the information that he needs. I know exactly what's going on. it was happening joke. really fast. I had, like, that much time to yell, you know, what can I yell in that much time? This, hey, you guys, my God! Hey, you know, that's not... <laughs> She's going to open the door again! Shit! <laughs> so I, I just yelled out, bad thing! <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't really specific enough. <laughs> oh well. I did try to help this man. So this is the. Uh, the so, was- hold on one second. So that's the Louis joke, obviously. And just listen for, because uh, again, and this will come up when we talk about joke stealing in general. But just try to listen for how similar it is. Like, try and take yourself out of whether you're a Louis fan or a Dane fan or hate Dane or whatever. Yeah. But think about like, is it possible for two guys to come up with this? In this way, I've heard. You know what I mean? I've heard uh, a couple of the one. I think there's one that's like about uh, a bunch of letters in a row or something like that. Uh, Dane stealing a joke. I have not heard this version. Okay. But hearing Louis's joke, I know exactly which Dane Cook okay, joke so it is. Okay. So let's hear. Let's hear how close it is. Towards him, I reached out <laughs> and I said, "Oh, <laughs> oh!" That's all I could think of to say. There's so many things now in retrospect that I would love, I'd love to have been like, you're about to get struck by a vehicle. I did not have time to say you're about to get struck by a vehicle. So I went with, oh, which is like a concerned moan. Yeah, it is. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, you heard Louis and you immediately thought of Danes. Yeah. But there are jokes like that. Like uh, It wasn't as similar as I thought it was going to be, actually. Like, so Jim Norton and Norm MacDonald have a joke that is essentially exactly the same. And it's one of my favorite Norm jokes also. Um, it's talking about uh, uh, he wants if Norm ever kills himself, he's going to leave a note saying that uh, his barber, uh, Phil Abernathy, <laughs> did it. <laughs> yes. Oh, Phil Abernathy knows about this. Yeah. And Norton has a joke where he says, if I ever kill myself, I'm just going to be like, uh, I want to ruin someone's day. And I'd be like, uh, Bob and HR will know what this is about. <laughs> it's the same joke, but the the specials came out a month apart. 
right. and you know neither of those guys would steal. Most likely, neither of them have seen each other's act. Like, Norton doesn't watch comedians. I don't imagine Norm's hanging out and watching Jim Norton. Right. Like, it doesn't seem plausible that either of those guys would steal. Neither of them leave their areas either. <laughs> right, that too. But the bits are so similar that if you watch them, you're like, holy fuck. Like, that's mm-hmm. really close. Right. Um, and again, like I said, the specials came out a month apart, so it's hard to believe that, that it was stolen. That's kind of what I think with this, where it's possible that Dane just thought of the same thing on his own. Right. But it is really close, and it's surprising that no one said to one of them, this is a Dane Cook joke and this is a Lucy. Did these come out uh, roughly the same time? It doesn't sound... It sounds like Louis is young in that one, but I'm not sure. It sounds like an older Louis C.K. joke. Hmm. Um, But I'm I'm not 100% sure. But let's hear the next one, because this is where, hey, once, probably a coincidence... Happens two or three times, then you start to scratch your head. With my wife and I were thinking of having a baby, and I'd like to have a kid, because you can name your kid anything you want. Right? I like that. talking about. I'd like to give my kid an interesting name, you know? Like a name with no vowels, maybe, you know? Just like... Just like 40Fs, that's his name. Go clean your room, you know, something like that. I think about having kids. I'd love to have some kids. I've been thinking about kids. I want to have like 19 kids. I think naming them, that's going to be fun. Whatever the names that you come up with, that's exciting right there. You get to both decide, hey, do you want to name that? No, I don't like that name. Right? It's like a little game you try to come up I already have names picked out. I don't even know. First kid, boy, girl, I don't care. The first one that comes out, I'm naming it. I think it's beautiful. It's feminine but strong at the same time. Time for bed. I said time for bed. No cookies. Typical. Daddy's on the phone. All right, I think we got it. Uh, And I want to address those jokes, but real quick, have we been doing this for an hour? episode? Have we been recording an hour already? No, 38 minutes. Okay, all right. Thank God. I didn't know when we started. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, <laughs> we've exhausted the people. Uh, all right. Now I can feel free to give my thoughts on this. Um, so that is, and again, I don't know what that Louis material is from. I've heard it, but I don't know which album or uh, special it's from or whatever. But if they're both from the same special, that's where it gets damning against Dane. Because if they're both in the, in one special, then it's like, okay, clearly you heard this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, obviously you heard Louis. There's no way you would come up with both of those Yeah. and think to put them. You know what I mean? Like, if it's two Louis specials, okay, maybe never heard one. But now it starts to get like, do these guys have all the same thoughts? The, the Dane Cook bit sounded a lot older <laughs> to me. Yeah. Oh, really? The audio quality sounded older. May, I'm, th- again, I'm not sure. It would be hilarious if no one did their research. And I don't mean us, I mean like the people that accused, yeah, the people that accused Dane, no one looked into it and Dane did it like 15 years earlier. Yeah, that's what it sounded like when he, like when he first moved or uh, got on Comedy Central. I'm not sure. Sounded like from back then. The the two sides of that coin are, you know, like having him in the same special is like, what, like what are the chances and is he that stupid? That's true too. Like why? Well, you know what? We'll get to the conversation 
uh, in a minute. There's a very interesting breakdown of this from both Louis and Dane, but mm. let's hear the. Th- there's a third joke, right? This is the itchy asshole. So let's hear this one first. This is the famous one. This is the one that everyone talks about, yeah. Probably because of the show. And I had an itchy asshole for like a week, and I could have won a million dollars. I still would have been going, fuck my asshole! It itches! I wanted to like eat bad food so I would like fart to scratch it. The other day, I don't know if you've ever gotten this, About uh, it was about 2.30 in the afternoon. I got the itchiest asshole I've ever gotten on record. And I keep a record of my itchy assholes. May 14th, 1985, I had a very itchy asshole. This one ousted it. Get out of here, old itchy asshole. Oh, it's the worst, isn't it? Oh, you just, you feel, usually you're at work or someplace that you can't focus on it. You gotta do some other activities, right? And the entire day, you just kind of bounce around and try to, try to shake it out, right? So that one, I gotta say, if that's the only one I heard, the fact that they're talking about three things that similar, that is where it gets a little like, there's gotta be something there. Yeah. But that bit in itself, if I only heard those two bits, I would say, well, the punchline in Louis is like, if I won a million dollars that day, I'd still think, ah, oh, my fucking asshole itches. And Dane doesn't say anything like that, really. Right. Which is where, like, I mean, that's, two, two guys can experience an itchy asshole and wanna talk about that's it. That's definitely similar premise thought. That one, that last one. Parallel def- thinking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's, I mean, who hasn't talked about itchy assholes? Sure, we all have. All of us. <laughs> but it is, when you hear three in a row like that, you're like, ah, fuck, is there? And these guys, like, they both came up through Boston. They're around, I mean, I think Louie's a little older than Dane. Yeah. They're roughly the same age. Yeah. Um, so, like, is there something to this? Um, so this was all going on uh, while Dane was famous. Uh, it was addressed years later um, on Louis' TV show, Louis. And in what I thought was one of the most well-written scenes in television. Yeah. Because it's all written by Louis. Like, Louis wrote both sides. So Louis had to get in Dane's head and think of things he would say. Um, and I guess they did have a conversation, so I'm sure that's where a lot of it came from. Yeah. But Louis writing both perspectives here and saying, like, well, how could something like this have happened? So this is the scene from Louis. Um, it's a scene. The premise of the episode is, like, Louis needs a favor from Dane. So he has to go to him to talk about it. And Dane wants to talk about this because part of the thing that ruined Dane's reputation was that he was a joke thief. And everyone said he ripped off Louis C.K. Yep. So there's two clips. This is the first one. Okay. All you have to do is... Go on YouTube and tell everybody that I did not steal your material. I never said that you stole my you jokes. You never said it, but you let other people say it. What let? I can't tell people what to say. You're full of shit. So, you know, it's funny. I think I might know where that line comes from. Like, what? Well, I can't tell other people what's. Uh, Louis was on Opie and Anthony probably around 2010 or something, like before this show came, before this episode came out. And uh, they were talking about Dennis Leary. And they said that Dennis Leary was kind of an asshole to Anthony once. He was like mm-hmm. rude to him or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Louis starts telling this story about how when Louis was coming up in Boston, and like people call Dennis Leary a thief. And Louis tells this story about when he was coming up in Boston. He did a bit about how uh, 
he's like, you know, people talk about uh, having different like disabilities or, or, you know, people may make a lot of excuses now. Like what if my excuse was just that I'm an asshole? Like my reason for doing things like, ah, geez, I'm so sorry. I'm an asshole. So like, I can't really help it. Like it was a personality disorder or something. And so that's the bit. Now, if you know Dennis Leary's comedy at all, you know the cornerstone of it. <laughs> the most popular thing he ever did in comedy is the asshole song. Oh, hate where it. He talks oh. about being an asshole. He literally, and Louis describing his bit, and he says, yeah, I talk about, like, oh, I'll just park in a handicapped space. There's a line about parking in handicapped spaces. Like, the shit that Louis was doing on stage uh, ended up in that song, the asshole song. So... I love uh, that song. So later, I actually, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy it too. <laughs> I fucking hate it. I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> I could do the whole song for you. I hate I'm Dennis asshole. Leary's face. I love, I hate how his nose is like caving in in the middle. I just hate everything about Dennis Leary. <laughs> it's, uh, in hindsight, it's corny, but it was 90s funny, you know? Like oh, people like, you know, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. I, just, I just hate Dennis Leary. Um, so, uh, uh, Louis talking about the bit and he says, uh, he goes, yeah. And then years later, he ran into Dennis Leary. And Leary funded. Oh, so the reason he knows Dennis Leary stole that is Leary was hosting the show where Louis did that bit. Louis gets off stage, and Dennis Leary goes, "Hey, man, that's that's a pretty good bit. I like that." And Louis's like, "Oh, thanks, man." He's like, "Here, you could add this and this." And Louis's like, "Oh, thank you, thank you." So then he does the asshole song. It's a big hit. <laughs> and uh, then years later, Dennis Leary gives Louis money for some project he's working on, and Louis's like, "I always kind of took that as like his, like ah, I'm sorry about that, like his yeah. way of like paying me back." Yeah. Um, and then Louis starts laughing and he goes, he goes, I don't know why I told that story. I just, I just thought of it cause uh, he was a, an asshole to Anthony. So I wanted to shit on him. This other poor fuck has been accused of stealing my stuff for years and I haven't said a word about it. <laughs> so I think, I think that line might come from like Louis aware he was kind of silently complicit in Dane getting shit on. Right. Cause he could have said like, I know Dane. I don't think he would do that. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. So then uh, there's a, one more clip from this scene. 2006, that should have been like my triumph. And I enjoyed it, Louis, for maybe two months. Two months before it started to suck because everything I read about me was about how I stole jokes from you, which I didn't. I kind of think you did. Dude, why would I steal three jokes from you when I have hours of material? Why? Why would I do that? Risk my reputation. Because they were funny jokes. You I don't think that you saw me do those jokes and said, I'm going to tell those jokes too. I don't think there's a world where you're that stupid or that bad a guy. I, I do think, though, that you're like you're like a machine of success. You're like a like a rocket and you and you're rocketing to the stars and your and your engines are sucking stuff up. Stuff is getting sucked up in your engines like birds and bugs and some of my jokes. <laughs> I, I, I think you saw me do them. I know you saw me do them, and I think they just went in your brain. And I don't think you meant to do it, but I don't think you stopped yourself either. And that's why I never felt the need to help you not be hated by a lot of people. <laughs> that right there, and I believe, and the reason that's so good a scene is I believe that's what happened. I yeah like I think Louis fucking hit the nail on the head, and I heard Dane was actually on a KFC radio, I think, where he talked about that. And he's like, yeah, me and Louis had like we met to talk about how we should do that scene. So I believe that Louis kind of heard Dane's explanation of things and was like, maybe this is what happened. Um, and again, the reason I believe Dane over a guy like Mencia is I believe Dane is more real. Uh, guys respect Dane 
that don't necessarily respect Carlos, that I respect their opinion. Um, but also the litany of examples isn't there where why would, as Dane says in that clip, why would he take three jokes from Louie and it seems like no one else. Like people have piped up over the years and said Dane stole this from me. But the only examples that I've ever heard on tape, and maybe send them to me if you have others, folks. Um, but the only ones I've heard are Dane versus Louie. Right, me too. Yeah. So uh, I do think, why would he steal? He's done, we've already talked about three hours that he's done. Right. Why would he steal three, and, and a half hour and a premium blend, right. why would he steal three Louis jokes? And also, too, the reason people don't necessarily hate him like Mencia is he's not comparing this to rape. That was a weird, <laughs> yes, that was a strange, <laughs> Dane, much better with analogies. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Instead of going, you know what, it's like rape, he went, yeah, this sucks, I'm getting accused <laughs> of this. <laughs> hey, Louis, help me out. <laughs> no, I think Louis, and again, that's a good, uh, I've always said Louis, great guy. I can't think of any incidents where people have called Louis a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, oh, I miss his show. Hey, I miss it so much. I love I know. that show. I think that show just ended, though. I don't think that got canceled, right? Uh, because of the whole... Well... I don't think he was coming back. I thought it was. Oh, I, was it? I think if he had the option to... He kind of, like, at that point was like, FX was like, all right, you can do, do like, whatever, whatever It's you the want. Larry David deal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In five years, he wanted to come back, he could have. Well, that's why he lost, like, $30 million. I think that was part of it. Maybe, yeah. Um, anyway, It wasn't Horace and Pete. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's a good show. I'm not saying <laughs> that, but he wasn't getting... He did it on his own. No, I know. Um, yeah, so... I believe Dane Cook, and I think that scene really pushed it over the edge for me, where I was like, that's really cool that they did that. It's well-written, and the, the logic is there. That's the other thing, too. Mencia, I'm not going on Rogan's show. He's like, I'll right. go on and say shit you write. Right. Yeah, write the scene for me. I'll come on and do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, you know. Dane I Cook rules. I believe Dane. I don't love his comedy now. And you know what? I like it. To, to the point that Rogan made about Mencia. There is a lot of Dane, I mean, a lot of Mencia in Dane in the sense that, uh, as Rogan said about Mencia, the guys like that that steal jokes or steal other people's material, whatever, uh, they get to a certain point in their career and then it kind of fizzles out. Like their material is not as good anymore because they're not taking from other people. Mm. So you do wonder with Dane, what's he, I didn't watch that fucking Showtime special. Uh, did I, did it, anyone? it became the <laughs> coolest thing in the fucking world to hate him. Yeah. So you know what? Ah, fuck. I forgot. Matt, you could throw this in here if you think of it. I think what uh, what really hurt Dane Cook, and maybe it wasn't this one individual line, but it was this sentiment put out by, by a very popular movie. Uh, if you folks have seen the film Step Brothers, yep. there's a line in that movie where Adam Scott, who plays a brilliant douchebag, by the way. Yep. Adam Scott doesn't get enough credit for how good he is in that fucking movie. Um, and he's like, obviously, he's, he's an asshole. And you may say the stereotypical Dane Cook fan who says there's a line in that movie where he goes, babe, Dane Cook, pay-per-view, 20 minutes, let's go. <laughs> and that right there is the stigma that, that stuck to Dane Cook forever, I think. I don't think it had anything to do with his material, the downfall of shit like that and other comics shitting on him because I, they well, weren't him. That I disagree with. His material, like, look, like I said. You know, look at shit like uh, the, the BK Lounge. Like, shit like that is, you call it funny or whatever you want, but very easy to mock. Well, he, was, sure. he was in his 20s when he said that. I know, but it is, what I'm saying is, when you look at how successful he is, there's a lot of guys who didn't reach those heights that you're like, Louis at the time. 
Lou was a hell of a lot funnier than Dane Cook. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing arenas back then. You know, eventually he got there. But, like, guys like that, like, I would say Jim Norton's a hell of a lot funnier than Dane. He's never uh, played the, the garden, you know? So I think that's where a lot of the resentment comes is Dane was not as good as a lot of comedians who weren't doing as well as him. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it became, like, a, not cool, but, like, a fun thing to mock, like an easy, like laugh. Was was Dane cool Cook, as fuck Dane to make Cook, fun of him. It, Dane Cook is the Nickelback of comedy. I was just gonna say that. Yes, absolutely. He was, Except he was way more talented. But uh, I'll say this about Nickelback: Are they that bad? No, I like Nickelback. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't like, really like, I don't, them. I don't know any of their music really, but like, they're better than some fucking garage band, I assume. So they have some sort of talent. Yeah, you know what I mean. But it became cool yes. to shit on them. It became funny, and it wasn't just Step Brothers. Like, um. There was a family guy. I remember, I think it was Ike Barinholtz did an impression where, and this is similar to, uh, actually, ironically, what South Park did to Family Guy. When South Park did those Family Guy episodes, I couldn't unsee that when I watched Family Guy. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, their style was like, expo- they were naked. You know what I mean? Like, you, you were like, ooh, boy. <laughs> like, it, right. it exposed everything they'd done. Family Guy also kind of did that to Dane Cook where they had uh, Ike Barinholtz do his voice. And he doesn't do, like, an impression, but he has the cadence down. What's mm-hmm. up? What's up? And the, he's moving around on stage and shit. And he, he kind of break down, like, oh, that's Dane. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it almost ruins his comedy, even when he is being funny. He just shot uh, his new special, like, a few weeks ago at the Beacon. Oh, well, this in, is topical. Topical, Boston, baby. In Boston. So go to patreon.com slash blind Mike, where I'm discussed. sure we will vigorously fight about it. Break it down. <laughs> and I'll say how awesome it was. I'll be well, like, yeah. Well, maybe, it depends. Oh, he could talk about the shit we're about to get into. And to be fair, I didn't watch uh, the Showtime special. I haven't seen it either. I haven't seen how much he's evolved over the years. I just don't have Showtime, and I don't do torrents anymore. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, so we're we're, uh, we're all the way to the brother stuff. Yeah, we're uh, the your mom's house. Nice. So while while all this is going on, Dane Cook again, like I said, on the ro- a rocket ship to the moon. At the peak of this, he's just. Um, he just hosted SNL twice. He just sold out Madison Square Garden twice. He is the biggest comedian, numbers-wise, ever. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I don't think Dane Cook's the best comedian ever, but he sold a hell of a lot more tickets than George Carlin and Richard Pryor. Uh, so, numbers-wise, he's he's the biggest ever. Meanwhile, uh, this is happening. <laughs> so, he hired his half-brother. Uh, his half-brother, Daryl, was his money manager. And it's kind of a classic story where um, Dane pulled him out. I guess Daryl was a correctional officer. Hmm. So I don't know how good those guys are with money typically, but I don't think it has to be in your background. Right. <laughs> so so money manager seems like an odd guy. So Dane Cook was you know, being good to a guy in his life, and he said, we're going to find something for it. We're going to find a job for you. And then uh, Daryl managed Dane's money forever. Dane, as I said, double platinum albums, uh, going on arena tours, hosting SNL. He's in uh, big, you know, he's in movies with Jessica Simpson and Jessica Alba. Um, So reeling in a few bucks. Oh, yeah. And then uh, this is Dane talking about, uh, he went on your mom's house. Uh, Good episode. If you want to go check it out from early, last year maybe, a couple years ago. I forget when this was. Um, but Dane Cook on your mom's house talking about, and I believe this is the only time he's publicly talked about it. 
because uh, even when he was on Burt Kreischer's podcast recently and was like, I don't want to get into it again. Yeah, they kind of sk- uh, glossed over it. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, at least the most in-depth. This is him on uh, Your oh, Mouth yeah. House talking about his brother being his money manager. How do you dis- – like, is there a mo- is there a phone call? Where, like, here's what's going on? How did you discover I, it? Yeah. I woke up one morning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was buying a home in California, and because I was buying a house here – my business was still run out of a P.O. box in Massachusetts. And I knew that once you're a resident, you can't really do that. The IRS doesn't, you know, because it's less taxes in Massachusetts and all yeah. this stuff. So I ended up talking to my brother and saying, I, you know, I'm, I found a new business manager out here. You're going to have a different position in the company. You know, you can do fulfillment center stuff or merch or, and I'm just going to do my stuff out here because I'm buying a home. He did not like that because he'd been sending me fake statements for maybe 10 years. This is this is what's really crazy about it is that on a, on the Friday I wrote my I love my brother I really did he was he, I, he was my first real best friend mm. in my life and I wrote him a letter on the Friday because I knew he was a little trepidatious about me moving the the business I told him it's hey it's going to be all right everything's going to be great um, I've got some new ideas I think I know how to you know come back with a with a, a you know Rocky two moment. And uh, he wrote to me on that Friday, and the last three words he ever said is my brother. He said, to the future. And then Monday I woke up, and I literally sat up in my bed, turned to my girlfriend, woke her up, and I go, I think my brother stole all my money. I mean, that's fucking, he went on to say, like, he he knew because, like, the brother was getting a little squirrely, mm-hmm. little things didn't add up, mm-hmm. like, he, Dane wasn't allowed to see certain things and shit like that. So, like, things just started to add up. And one day he realized his brother and the brother's wife, by the way, who I guess was integral in all this somehow. She was also convicted. Um, so his brother, and it, they were found guilty um, of, of uh, what's that called? Embezzlement? Not embezzlement. Yeah. Is it embezzlement? I, it's something like that. Yeah. They stole t- like $12 million from him. Yeah. They stole, they stole a shit ton of money. Um, and I can't imagine... Just think of anyone, anyone in your life that you trust. Well, even not whether it's your wife or someone not that close to you, but someone like you like, you trust, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mike Harris, for example. Right. Imagine one day you wake up, you're like they weren't, they were lying to me every day of my life and st- cheating me, stealing from me. Right. Like they're not the person I thought they were. Right. Forever. Yeah. They. So from what I gather from the story, still twelve million dollars. Uh, I think they had the option of paying it back and they'd get a lesser punishment. So they decided not to and just serve like eight years and keep the money. Jesus Christ. Something It's something along those lines. It's yeah. nuts. Well, actually, we have that too where they hid money all over the place. Right. You want that clip? So he was able to recover some of it. Yeah, let's hear that. Put him in jail. Put his uh. wife in jail. She was. They were in cahoots. Um, what did he spend on? Yeah, oh, it's you know what they just—they—it's called squirreling. They just hit a lot of it. I have money actually. There's probably I should make treasure maps because I know that there's some places where there's some money. I stash them. Stash Did a lot of it. Get to recoup. Okay. I got a, a little chunk of it. I got like about a year and a half later, the police opened up a wall in his house <laughs> and found eight hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and the cops called me and sent me a picture of my email. They go, "Look at this fucking money we got, kid. Coming back to you, kid." <sighs> um, wow. And so a little. Oh, but then they had to hold that. So I didn't see that until like years later. He also didn't pay my taxes, so cool, I had cool. to pay <laughs> more in penalties. No. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Like. 
And that's going to be, not only have you lost all your money, you lost your brother. Now you have to deal with this legal bullshit and the tax shit that you have to deal with. Like, it's exhausting. The guy ruined Dane's life. You, for that you would think something like that would be thrown on the brother. I mean, right, what? yeah. Because he was. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. Or he would sue him or something. Yeah, in an ideal world. Right. But the government just, I don't want to get into that <laughs> rant. And I, and I also think Dane was probably like. You know, like, well, what can I do at this point? He isn't. He didn't pay back the money. He's not going to also pay the taxes. Right. He had a stupid amount of money too. So it's like the, he was. He funded an arena tour. After when you that. said twelve million, I'm surprised it was that little. Right. Um. But he he said uh, what saved him was he had a bunch of stocks. Right. And it wasn't as easy for the brother to take out his stocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he got. He was able to get like three hundred and fifty grand. Uh, in stock, whatever stocks he had, and that's how he funded his arena tour because he couldn't cancel it at that point. Like, by the time he found out, he couldn't just cancel this arena tour and pocket that three hundred and fifty grand. He was funding it himself. Yeah. So that money right. went right into touring automatically. Let's play this celebrity net worth game and see how he's doing. When <laughs> when he first when he first actually found out when he realized it, yeah. he went to the bank. And he's in one of the clips. He says he sat down with the bank, and the brother had been feeding him fake account numbers, oh, fake yeah. statements, like Ugh. everything. Like they couldn't even look up his accounts because the accounts he thought he had were not, didn't exist. What's your that? Dan, Dan Cook's doing fine now. But what's he like, got? Thirty-five mil. No. All right, good. Well, maybe that. Maybe it's all. Maybe they, <laughs> they think he's still got that employee of the month money. Here's yeah, him finding out about his accounts. And I went down to Bank of America on the corner of Crescent Heights in Santa Monica. And I went in, I talked to the manager, she brought me into her office, and basically it was like, yeah, there's nothing in your corporate accounts. She couldn't, I couldn't even get into my own accounts. I gave her my federal ID number, I gave her, she goes, none of these work. He'd given me false, <gasps> yeah. I'd never looked in my bank. I've never seen them so serious in my life. It's it's a, it's a good interview. It's a great it was episode. A, it was a good discussion, yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't know your mom's house, they talk about like fucking, uh, piss and fart jokes and Love fucking <laughs> guys that are coming on YouTube and shit. <laughs> so this is the most serious they got. And it was actually, it was a good conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a wild story. And this is all happening while, like he had a, a Comedy Central special in 2009, a year after this happened. He filmed the special, or he put out a special. So. Oh, uh, I, um, uh, the in the comedy store. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. That was a great, I actually really liked that special. It was all like one shot. So in, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, and again, it is a little weird that like that's happening in your life. You're a stand-up comedian and that never comes up in your, in your set, but it might've been so like real at that time that he wasn't ready to talk about it. Dude, he, you know, he had shit happen around every fucking special he ever His filmed. mom died in yep. 2006, like right before, right before. And then his dad, I think right after another one. And yeah. then his brother with that, uh, comedy central one, he was losing family members left and right from oh all, all sorts of reasons. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like you do kind of, you look at that and you're like, Holy shit, that guy was able to put on these performances and be the kind of entertainer he was while all this type of shit was going on in his life. Like it's hard not to have sympathy for him and be impressed Prolific. with what he was able to do. Prolific, some may say. I mean, honestly, like he's putting out a lot of material. You can judge how good it is, but he's. You know what? Maybe I do have more influence on. Him. I put out a stuff every day. You can say what you want about how good it is. I'm putting out content every fucking day. You know, and Dan Cook was a lot like that. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, he put out, he put out a ton of stuff, and it was all surrounded in this tragedy. Um, so, you know, uh, I think we all have different thoughts about how, how good a comic he was, but there's like, 
I believe most of his material, if not all, was his. Mm-hmm. And he was able to sell out arenas doing that. So, and it, you know, I had a double platinum album and all that. And like I say about Amy Schumer, um, I think Amy Schumer had one funny special and then got famous and felt like she had to be something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that version of Amy Schumer that became something else is selling out Madison Square Garden and has millions and millions of followers and is in movies and shit like that. So there's something to what she's doing. I don't think that many people would consistently lie about being a Dane Cook or an Amy Schumer fan. You know what I mean? They're not lying worth a $60 ticket at Madison Square yeah. Garden or whatever. I've never swayed. So I did, Craig was there from the beginning. <laughs> I've ma- I feel like Dane I've made Cook some guy. pretty good points. You made, you made some good points. And like it's not... The argument is not, like, if you're listening to this thinking we're assholes that like Dane Cook, that's not the argument. The argument is, as kids, we like Dane Cook, and that's who started following Dane Cook, and because of that, he was very influential. I'm not saying he's the, uh, I'm not even saying he's a good comedian, but what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is he has a tremendous amount of influence, Uh, he's a talented guy for sure, and he doesn't, he never deserved a lot of the shit that he took, and it's impressive that his career was falling apart because the joke stealing stuff. Mm-hmm. His life was falling apart because the money stealing stuff. His emotions were falling apart. He was like, if you hear him talk about his mother, oh. he's closer to his mother than like I've ever heard anyone be. <laughs> you know, like him and his mother were insanely close. Right. And he lost her during all this time. So d- despite all that, he's able to be a positive guy, putting out like you know material that made a lot of people laugh. So uh, I'm impressed by Dan Cook, and I think he deserves more credit because it was always um. I th- I think he's a good comic. I uh I always felt bad when he would get shit because people would be like, "Why don't you like him?" And he'd be like, "Well, they he sucks." And it's like, okay, can, yeah. Can you like, elaborate? Oh, so, well, you can quote some of his, uh, like I said, you can quote some of his jokes and they sound fucking corny, right? But when you're 15, they, they made you laugh. <laughs> you know, it was also 20 years ago at this right. point too, right? So it's hard to go back. Well, well, if you listen to Seinfeld, it's all co- uh, corny. Well, we'll do. We'll that. get there. Yeah, but, well, I'm sure we already have, I guess, in this timeline. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Remember, <laughs> remember, guys. Mm. Um, so, what, Ed, do we just have the one more clip, or is there more? Yeah, the uh, Colorado shooting joke. Yeah. So this I don't was, know if I know what this is. This was like the nail in Dane's coffin oh. of his career. I mean, I don't. It wasn't that big a deal, but it was kind of like. Whatever Dane had left in the business, this kind of derailed it because it got him in trouble and he had to apologize for this. And listen to how you forget, like, I guess maybe it started before. I always think like 2014-ish is around when we started to really get crazy with a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was earlier than that because listen to this joke. 2012 was Dark Knight Rises. I was going to say this is about the the movie theater show. Okay, I do do remember this. So the funny thing is I think you could – do this joke now. Like, I think we've at least come... Like, I don't think this would get him in... Tr- I guess it depends on how soon after it was, but this is after the uh, Colorado shooting at uh, the movie theater in Aurora. Look at... And uh, Dane Cook was on stage at the comedy store. He's just really copying Louie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I heard that uh, the guy came into the theater about 25 minutes into the movie. I don't know if you've seen the movie. The movie's pretty much a piece of crap. And, uh, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, and I know that if, you know, none of that had happened, I'm pretty sure that somebody in that theater about 25 minutes in realizing it was a piece of crap probably was like, oh, fucking shoot me. That's funny. That's not, that's not bad. 
It's not. It's funny. Like I, I don't. I'm surprised he got shit for that. And then he had to put out an apology. He's like, you know, so I should do better. And I was like, ah, oh, Dane, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was. I mean, this is. Uh, so that's like three years after that Comedy Central special. Four years after his brother took all his money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's when he was like, I would say. Uh, that was the nail in the coffin as far as any industry stuff. Right. Now, since then, like I said, he had a Showtime special. Uh, he was on that Oddball Comedy Festival. Um, and you see him do more and more stuff. Like you saw, he's popped up as a guest on podcasts. He's banging 20 year olds. You know, he's, he's living his life. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm not crying for Dane Cook, but he has lived a sympathetic life. I thought he got far too much shit. Oh, yeah. And I don't think a lot of it was fair. And uh, if you listen to him, he's an. Interesting guy. Like, there's a lot of it, like I said, that comes off as kind of a douchebag. But I think he is genuinely that positive and has sort of a, sort of a, an enlightened perspective. Like, I think he's just an interesting guy. I mean, look at it this way. If you think it's bullshit, he managed to get through his brother, his brother stealing millions of dollars and ruining his life with a positive attitude. They he, ta- he talks about it and laughs about it. Yeah, <laughs> they could literally make a movie on his life. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. So there it is. That's the the rise and fall of Dane Cook. Um, you know, now, like, I think when he was in Boston, he played some theater. Not the Wilbur, but uh, he played somewhere. Oh, the Beacon, that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, he's doing okay now. He still has his fans and everything. Um, but it's funny. Like, uh, everyone on Instagram... <laughs> Or every everyone everyone on TikTok really owes Dane Cook a shout out yeah. because he started all of that shit for you guys. You know what I mean? Like he paved the way for comedians knowing how to do that stuff. Now, it may if in the long run cost us guys like uh maybe if Dave Attell saw this current comedy landscape, he would have been like, Ah, fuck that. I'm working down at the docks. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but but uh so say what you want about it. But um, uh, I support Dane Cook. That's right. Uh, and I, you know, I hope he's doing. It. I hope he's made his money back. Does that mean I win? I guess so. Nice, Craig. Sounds Craig like it. Well, we'll let the audience determine. I suspect they won't like this episode as much as some of the others, but we'll see what they say. Ah, uh, uh, no, this is definitely <laughs> this is one of those ones that you're like. Well, what happened next? I think it's a fascinating story. Yeah. yeah. So definitely. I hope. Uh, I hope I, we did an all right job with it. And uh, make sure you if you if you want to record a podcast or really record anything, film something, record something. Uh, come to Vaulted Podcasts in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Hit up Matt from RI on Twitter, Matt from Rhode Island, uh, here at Vaulted Podcasts. Um, and if you like the show, if you're a fan of the show, and you, you say, I can't wait for the next episode, you get it a week early on patreon.com slash blindmike, as well as the Blind Mike Project and More on Money and all our great stuff back there. Uh, check out a very good show. That's Craig's show. He's also on the Blind Mike Project. Thank you. So uh, check out all of that stuff. And we'll talk to you next time on Why You Laughing.